0: Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning into the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. Our reading today comes from the book of Jeremiah. It's chapter 36, verses 1 through 8, 21 through 23, and 27 through 31. The story of a scroll written, burned, and rewritten. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and may you share this word with others. A reading from Jeremiah chapter 36. In the fourth year of King Jehoiakim, son of Josiah of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words I have spoken to you against Israel and Judah and all the nations from the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah until today. It may be that when the house of Judah hears of all the disasters that I intend to do to them, all of them may turn from their evil ways so that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote on a scroll at Jeremiah's dictation all the words of the Lord that he had spoken to him. And Jeremiah ordered Baruch, saying, I am prevented from entering the house of the Lord, so you go yourself. And on a fast day, in the hearing of the people in the Lord's house, you shall read the words of the Lord from the scroll that you have written at my dictation. You shall read them also in the hearing of all the people of Judah who come up from their towns. It may be that their plea will come before the Lord and that all of them will turn from their evil ways, for great is the anger and wrath that the Lord has pronounced against this people. And Baruch son of Neriah did all that the prophet Jeremiah ordered him about reading from the scroll the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. Then the king sent Jehudi to get the scroll, and he took it from the chamber of Elishama the secretary, and Jehudi read it to the king and all the officials who stood beside the king. Now the king was sitting in his winter apartment. It was the ninth month, and there was a fire burning in the brazier before him. As Jehudi read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a penknife and throw them into the fire in the brazier until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the brazier. Now, after the king had burned the scroll with the words that Baruch wrote at Jeremiah's dictation, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, take another scroll and write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll, which King Jehoiakim of Judah has burned. And concerning King Jehoiakim of Judah, you shall say, thus says the Lord, you have dared to burn this scroll, saying, why have you written in it the that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and will cut off from it human beings and animals. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning King Joachim of Judah, he shall have no one to sit upon the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat by day and the frost by night. And I will punish him and his offspring and his servants for their iniquity. And I will bring on them and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem and on the people of Judah, all the disasters with which I have threatened them, but they would not listen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, that's that's one of those ones we're like, Are we sure we want to say, Thanks be to God? Yeah, we should. We will, we shall. Grace and peace to you from God our Father in heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Has anyone ever accused you of having selective hearing? It's true that our ears hear they hear lots of sounds. Our, Our ears are taking in a lot of information. Hearing multiple sounds in our brains allow us to tune into the ones we need and the ones that matter for us. But I'm talking about this affliction that causes us to only hear what we want to hear and block out instruction or advice or commands that are unwelcome or uncomfortable for us. It says it's a special hearing aid. It filters out criticism and amplifies compliments. (laughs) It's a sad condition, really. We shouldn't joke about it. Politicians seem to suffer at a high rate. Husbands are often prone to it. Uh, But I think it affects us all at some time in our lives. Roger's shaking his head. No, not me. (laughs) Hashtag not me. It's happened to me. I'll admit it. Ivy will be sharing something with me and filling me in on something important uh, that I'm supposed to be doing or reminding me about somewhere we need to be and either with the phone in my hand or the the TV screen on, I miss it completely. Uh, My attention is diverted and I don't mean to do it, but it happens. It works the other way too, I know, because I can be in a, a totally different room in the house and talking about something, anything under the sun and if I say the words ice cream, four kids come running They hear what they want to hear. But reading the Bible might be like that for us, too, at times. Because we like the parts that are comforting. We like the stories we heard when we were little. They stick with us. We shy away from the parts that are difficult to read or understand. The parts that we might find boring, complicated. Most of all, the parts that call us out on our stuff. Where we are identified and convicted as sinners. Those can be hard words to hear. That's good news that we are saints and sinners. Lutherans give thanks for that understanding, right? We are both. And God loves us no matter what. So we can recognize and admit who we are. And we know we're not perfect. We cling to this faith of Jesus who died on the cross that we would receive forgiveness from God to be transformed, to be totally new people for the world, for a purpose. For kings, especially those who had led people astray, gone after idols or made themselves wealthy at the expense of the people, they certainly had selective hearing when it came to the words of the prophets. As Pastor Matt said last week, it was kings in the ancient Near East that saw themselves as gods. They didn't need to hear a word from some prophet to tell them they were doing it wrong. Maybe Israel's kings didn't think that exactly, but they sure acted like it at times. And they had plenty of their own people telling them just what they wanted to hear. Now, Josiah was a pretty decent king. Josiah was a king who, uh, who tried to reform and bring the people back to God. In the book of 2 Kings tells us he renewed a covenant with the Lord and tore down the places dedicated to idol worship. To other gods and the people were messing up. So he's trying to bring them back to God and try and bring them back to faith. But it was too little, too late. You see, God had already declared punishment and judgment. And there was conflict with Egypt and Josiah went out to meet them and he was killed. His sons came to power and at age 25, Jehoiakim was made king, and he was kind of basically a puppet of uh, Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Jeremiah, the prophet, was no longer allowed in the temple gate. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, we heard the story of him preaching there. He spoke out against the king, saying, Do not trust in these deceptive words, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. And he reminded people what they were supposed to be (coughs) doing, what they were supposed to be all about, caring for widows and orphans, not oppressing foreigners, not shedding innocent blood, not worshiping other gods. So the king didn't want to hear that stuff, but Jeremiah knows that God's word has come to him. He's called to be a prophet, whether he wants to or not. So Jeremiah obeys and Jeremiah has a word to share. So he calls Baruch, the scribe, kind of like his uh, assistant, to write down all the prophecies he's made all the way back from King Josiah until now and deliver it. Not to start a fight, but because the Lord said so, of course, and because the Lord was still holding on to hope. There was hope that this king would hear it and respond by turning back to God. This is a plea. It's a last-ditch effort. God working through the living word. And the prophet to help God's people. So the hope is that the king will recognize God is still speaking. That God is still working for the people despite the chaos and disaster around them. And calling them to return in faith. To trust and to obey. But what happens? The king receives the scroll and hears this word. And doesn't like what he hears. So he tears it up. Throws it into the fire. Don't you just imagine... A bond. This is like a Bond villain thing to do, right? Or uh, Dr. Evil for the 90s generation. Okay, or Thanos for, for younger ones. There, there he is. Just throw it into the fire. Get this image of King Jehoiakim as this evil guy. <clears throat> it's as if he thinks that he has the power to keep it from coming true if he would just tear it up and burn it. Well, in those days, of course, they didn't have the printing press or uh, Xerox machines or camera phones, so... Jeremiah and Baruch go back to the drawing board, and they start over. And Jeremiah says, write it again. They start over, and they make another copy of the word, another scroll. Not even the king has the power to restrain or destroy the word of God. It remains forever. Dr. Rolf Jacobson from Luther Seminary notes that when Luther was threatened with excommunication, He had to go into hiding. One of the charges against him was that he translated Scripture, the Bible, into the German language for the people to read, making it available for people to read and study. And he says tyrants don't want the word of God in people's hands. Well, Luther did have a printing press. His efforts to give the word back to the people were a cornerstone of the reform of the church that took place 500 years ago, and it's still happening today. Because we are hearers of this word in new ways. We have uh, new translations and paraphrased versions of the word so we can understand it. and We have apps and podcasts and carry that word around with us in our pocket everywhere we go. It's a gift. And despite the setbacks that we've faced over the last 16 months, we're still gathered in worship to hear the word in person and online to hear and ingest this word of truth and promise for us today. That's powerful, if we use it. See, the word doesn't expire or stop being the word if we refuse to pick it up off the nightstand, the bookshelf, or wherever we've got it hidden, to read it. It doesn't go away just because we refuse to hear it, refuse to learn it, refuse to engage it. Our God still is speaking. Even when we love to get into Scripture, the word can be hard to hear at times, It can give great comfort or reassurance or healing and insight and yet at times it will remind us of the ways that we've failed, the things that we've done that have hurt others and the truth that we are supposed to be caring for and welcoming people and loving people and yet have neglected them. We hear this, law and gospel, boundaries and promises. So we might have selective hearing and remember that one Bible story from our youth. Oh, yeah, remember when Jesus fed all those people? Wasn't that great? But then choose not to spend time in prayer or share the faith that we have with others in our lives. We might go to church on Sunday and look forward to seeing all our friends and receiving communion, but not get up and serve. And we might forget that the word that put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood, Jesus, is with us every day, not just Sunday mornings. We can't just pick and choose like making our own playlist. We need that whole word, the law and the gospel. We need that word that transforms us for our life in the world. And maybe there are some things in our own lives that we'd like to burn and just leave behind. Maybe we're beginning to see things in a different way after this ongoing pandemic. Maybe we've progressed or we've regressed. Maybe there are things we've learned about ourselves that we don't like or habits that need to be changed or work that needs to be done even if we'd rather not be the ones to do it. Everything is changing. So are we. We're being made new through this word of God. It changes us. It changes our hearts. And now is the time to return to that word that guides us for our lives. God's word is a living word. It's still speaking, still calling us to remember the story of how God led the people out of slavery, into wilderness, into a new land who worked through outcasts and foreigners and broken and scared and scarred human beings who remained with them through rebellions and in spite of sin and stubbornness and idolatry who showed up in the flesh to be the word in the world to reveal the depth and breadth of height and height of God's glory and forgiveness and love to every corner of creation who created and called people to return again and again. We are called to. Through the spirit working in us, we obey. We have a word to share, to go out and tell people about this word compels us to care for ones that we maybe rather not care for. It convicts us of focusing on the wrong things a lot of the time. Money, power, our own comfort and glory. So we recognize and confess that we have gone after other gods. We're not free of guilt. We have turned ourselves into tiny gods too and turned away from the living word that we have been given. But it doesn't mean that God has given up on us. We are not torn from the scroll or thrown into the fire. God hears us and keeps coming for us. So if we have some selective hearing, maybe we hear this word return. Return. And we come running every time we hear it. From our bad habits and bathroom floors and screens and streams and into the places we are needed for the sake of our neighbors. For the sake of the ones God has sent us to serve, into the places we fear. Because God is always calling us to return, not to ourselves, not to our old ways, but to return to faith, return to following Jesus, to love and sacrifice and humility and generosity and in Christ has given us all we need to do so. Amen.